Thanks and praise to you that you entered into our world as a baby in Bethlehem's manger for a purpose, and that purpose was to bring us salvation. So we thank you that for, for your incarnation, uh, for you becoming a human being in the person of Jesus. So Lord, may the, the reality of, of Jesus uh, incarnate for us and for our salvation, may it bring us peace and comfort today. I pray that as we look at your word and study your word today, that you would open our ears, that we would hear, open our hearts to receive, and then open our hands and feet, that we would be a people who uh, represent and live out uh, your service to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Merry Christmas to you. It is good to see each and every one of you here on this Christmas morning. I'm Pastor Adam. And uh, we believe that the Lord is the one who gathers us together. He gathers us together so that we can receive from him. He's here to serve us today. The primary way he serves us today is through his word. And as we hear his word, he does a work in our hearts. And we can respond to that word with songs of praise and worship. Today our gospel reading, I actually shouldn't have had you sit down because... We need to read scripture, so I'm sorry. Please stand again. Sit up. Sit down. Stand up. Sit down. So our gospel reading today is from the gospel of John, the first chapter of John's gospel. And here John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated.
The question I have today is this, why did God become a human being? Why did God become a human being? Why God incarnate? Why Emmanuel, which means God with us? Well, two reasons. It was necessary for our Savior to be a human being so that he would fulfill the law for us. And the number two, that he would suffer and die in our place. John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the question today, why did God become a human being? Why the baby in Bethlehem's manger? Why God incarnate? Well, first of all, Jesus came to fulfill the law for us. He came to fulfill the law for us. John says that the law was given to Moses. So remember, God wrote the law, the Ten Commandments, on two tablets of stone. And we confess that the law is good. For us, the law is a, is a precious thing. We need the law. The law teaches us. And the law points us in the direction we should go. The law points to where we should go, and it points to us. But the law can never bring us to where we need to be. So the law is good because it points us, but it cannot carry us to where we need to be. It points us in the direction we should be. The law demands holiness and obedience. It points us in the way of holy living, but it doesn't have the power to make you or me holy. So the law points, and it's good, but it has no power to make us righteous or to make us holy. So the law, it not only points the way to where we should be, but the, the law points at me. And through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the law says you are a sinner. And the law points to you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the law convicts us of sin. But the law cannot cleanse us of our sins. So when I talk to people, I'll ask them a question like this. If, if something really unfortunate were to happen to you today, and if you were to die, and if you were to stand before the gates of heaven, and if God were to ask you this question, why should I let you in? I ask the question, what would you say? So if you today were to, to be standing before the gates of heaven and, and you were asked the question, I don't know if this is the way it's really going to work, but hypothetically, you were to be asked this question, uh, why should, should I let you into heaven? Many people answer this way, well, I've been a really good person. I've really tried to be a good person. And some people believe that if their, if their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, then, then God will open the gates of heaven to them. But this is not what the scriptures teach us. That, that would be like a, a person convicted of, of a felony, let's say armed robbery, 
going before the judge and saying, yeah, I, I've committed armed robbery, but, you know, I've, I've helped an old lady across the street. Uh, or, you know, I, I've done some good things to help the poor. Now, now the judge may listen to that and, and commend the felon for that, but that isn't going to get the felon off the hook, right? The judge isn't going to say, well, you, you've done five good things and you did one really bad thing, so I'm going to let you off the hook. It's not the way it works, right? And God doesn't work that way either. Because we have sinned. Each and every one of us have sinned, and the Bible says we've fallen short of the glory of God. Sometimes we look at, at one person over there and we say, well, at least I'm not like that person because that person's really messed up big time. Now, God looks at all of us. We all come to Jesus on level ground. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The law points to our hearts and reveals to us our sinfulness, but it also reveals to us that we need, we need a Savior. So God is merciful, and he sent Jesus to take away our sin. And the first way Jesus took away our sin is by living as our substitute. That's point number one. Why did God become a human being? So that he would fulfill the law for us. Let me give you this example. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The game is tied. Believe it or not, I'm on second base. My ankle's twisted. I can hardly stand on it. No runners on, there's no runner on third, no runner on first. The best hitter is up to bat. He's a good hitter. But this may come as a surprise to you. I'm the worst runner. And my ankle's twisted. I don't have hope of scoring unless it's a home run. So what do you think the coach is going to do? He's going to take me out of the game, right? And he's going to put a pinch runner on second base. So that, that runner is the best base runner on the team. Nobody's a better base runner than this one. And so the best batter comes up, hits a ball, it's an easy double, score, win the game. Jesus is your pinch runner. That's what it means that Jesus is your substitute, that he came to fulfill the law for you. So Jesus entered into this world to do what you could never accomplish, to accomplish for you what we are incapable of doing because of our sinful condition. So Jesus is your pinch runner. He came to fulfill the law in your place as your substitute. He came to accomplish for you what you could never accomplish on your own. So Jesus came to fulfill the law for us. And then number two, Jesus suffered and died in our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is what we call the substitutionary atonement. 
Jesus not only lived as our substitute, as our pinch runner, he also died as our substitute. He took your place upon the cross and he suffered the punishment that you deserve. This would be like a judge standing before a convicted felon, somebody who's sentenced to death. That would be like the judge saying to this person who's just been sentenced to death, the judge saying, well, I'm going to take your place. You go free, and I'm going to serve on death row, and I'm going to be executed as your substitute on your behalf so that you can go free. So Jesus took your place upon the cross. Now through his death, through his death, you have life. So it was necessary for our Savior to be a human being so that he would fulfill the law for us and so that he would suffer and die in our place. So I want to say that today you have life. You have life to the full because of what Jesus has done for you. Not only did he die for you, but he was resurrected for you. And so through his life, his death, and his resurrection, you have forgiveness and you have life in him today. So now I ask the question, how is this life to be lived? Jesus came into this world. He was incarnate of the Virgin Mary. God became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. To live the life that we could never live and to serve the punishment that we deserve on our behalf. And now as a result of that, how are we to live our lives? Well, now that that we are saved by God's grace and mercy through Jesus, we don't do away with the law. We don't throw the law out. Rather, the law and the commandments have a whole new meaning for us today. And, and, and the law isn't about using it in, in, to, in this attempt to try to earn our salvation. Rather, we see the law as a treasure because it teaches us, it teaches us how to love God, and it teaches us how to love our neighbor. See, the commandments are not about making our lives holy. We've already been made holy in Jesus. Because of his grace and his mercy, we are declared righteous. When God sees you, he doesn't see a sinner, but he sees the very righteousness of Christ. So the commandments for us are about serving God and serving our neighbor. So I want to say, because of what Jesus did, you are free in Christ. You're not under the condemnation of the law. Jesus became, or God became a human being in the person of Jesus. You're free. He fulfilled the law for you. He died to take away your sins. You're free in Him. But you're not free to live however you want to live. You're free to live in the truest expression of being alive. And that is to live as a Christ-like servant. To live as a servant. Our freedom in Jesus is liberty to live how we were created to live. 
So today, look at the needs of others. Look around you. What needs exist within our community, within our congregation, and throughout the world? And ask, how can I live as a servant for the benefit of others? So church, this is why you give generously. This is why you invest your time in the lives of others. This is why your heart aches when you see others suffering. Because you've been set free. You have a whole new perspective on life. You understand that your life isn't about, really, it's not about you. But it's about serving. It's about serving. I ask you the question, do you have Matthew, I was thinking this week, do you have Matthew 2540 memorized? Now, anybody here have Matthew 2540 memorized? Okay. I didn't either. But I was thinking, we, we all should have Matthew 25, 40 memorized. We all have John 3, 16 memorized. How many of you here have John 3, 16 memorized? Probably most of us here, right? We, we've memorized John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that is you. But what does Matthew 25, 40 say? And, and what's the connection between John 3, 16 and, and Matthew 25, 40? Well, the result of John 3, 16 in our lives is going to be Matthew 25, 40 being expressed in our lives. So if John 3, 16 is made real in your life, it's impossible for Matthew 25, 40 to not be a reality in your life. So Alyssa, you got it on the screen. Or Ian. You got it on the screen. Matthew 25, 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God incarnate. God became a human being born through the Virgin Mary to serve you, to bring salvation to you. A free gift, not through obedience to the law, but by his grace and by his mercy. For the law was given through Moses, grace and mercy through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what John 3.16 does, if John 3.16 is made real in our lives, if we receive that gift, it means it's going to transform our hearts. And our hearts are going to desire to serve others. And whatever you did for the least of these, this is Jesus speaking, whatever you did for the least of these, brothers and sisters of, of mine, you did for me. Now today, God can be incarnate in your life. God can use your hands. God can use your feet. God can use your voice. God can use your entire life to be a visible expression of Jesus within this church, within this community, within your family. So may we live. May we live in the freedom of the gospel so that we can serve others in love. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the truth of your word today. We thank you that you fulfilled the law in our place, that you are our pinch runner. We thank you that you took our place upon the cross, suffering the death that we deserve so that we can be forgiven. And thank you that through that truth we are liberated. We are liberated to serve our community. So when we see needs within our within, our, uh, within the, the spheres of influence in which we live, our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces. Heavenly Father, help us to serve in that liberty and that freedom that you've given to us, that we uh, would be an expression, a visible expression, an incarnational presence of Christ in our world. So in your name we pray, and all of God's children say, amen.